0: Welcome to Dietitians Uncorked, a podcast hosted by Kat and Kelly, two registered dietitians who co-founded Nutriving, a virtual nutrition practice. We talk all things food, nutrition, life, and of course, wine. This is a Judgment Free Zone where all foods fit
1: and all bodies are welcome. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to all our listeners today. We are so excited that you are spending some time with us. Kat and I have a really great episode coming your way. We are talking about how to eat more environmentally friendly. So we'll go through some tips and things that Kat and I do and that our clients do in their lives to eat more environmentally friendly. Friendly. Before we get into that, a few quick announcements. Kat and I launched our group program yesterday as we were recording this. Very exciting. So if you haven't listened to our podcast before, um, you may not know, but Kat and I launched a three-month virtual group program called Nourished and Empowered. It's really a combination of weekly nutrition masterclasses, which are video recorded of Kat and I with our Wonderful presentations that we've worked on over the past long time, six months or so. Very long time. And we, yeah. you know, record ourselves kind of going through that information. So it's a lot of nutrition education, but also really actionable tips and strategies. Yeah. Things that you can take yeah. into your life and, and start implementing. And we are pairing that, Kat, with our, you know, our monthly live Q and A's, which we're gonna do with all the group yep. members. Yeah. And then we have a virtual supportive community as well. So you can think of it kind of like a social media situation, but it's completely private and only accessible to the people who are registered for the group program.
0: That's right. And you get access to a feed or a board where you can post, you know, if you're, if you would like to share any good dishes that you've made or any challenges, anything that we've discussed um, in the live Q&As with the uh, members of the group, it will be a lot of fun. I just sort of envision Kelly and I like showing up for the live Q&A as like Ellen would in her, you know, <laughs> talk shows, just like dancing a little bit or something like that. <laughs> That's in my head. We'll see if I make it a reality. But this group program has been a um, something we've really put a lot of our time and effort to you because we realize that not everybody wants to dedicate their whole life to study nutrition. Like we have not everybody wants to know the nitty gritty of like whatever, Mm -hmm. but most people do want to know the practical actionable, maybe just reframing of some things that you are choosing or not choosing to do. And I, I hope that we delivered on that, but we, we definitely put a lot of love into it. So if you are interested Um, our website under services tab. If you go to group program, there's a lot of information there and you can register as
1: well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This program is great for anyone who maybe has arrived at a time in their life where they're really ready to prioritize their health and take some big steps towards finding things that work for them. A lot of the clients that Kat and I have worked with maybe have, you know, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high cholesterol numbers that they're working on getting down. So we've really taken what Kat and I have been doing one-on-one with clients and kind of scaled it to being able to deliver, you know, to groups to multiple people at a time. So we've been working on this material for a long time. It has worked for so many people that, that Kat and I have worked with one-on-one, but also, you know, we've both been dietitians for, we've been around the block right at this point, And we're so excited for taking all of that and packaging up for you guys.
0: Oh yeah. Um, also like, I don't know how you guys have gone through the transitions in life. Um, but when I turned 30, I spent a long time Googling, like, Things you should know before you turn 30, things you have, should have done before turning th- 30, books you're supposed to read, and mm-hmm. all this is arbitrary. No one no <laughs> one cares. Like It's totally fine. You can just go through life. But uh, there's a similar thing that happens with aging and health where you sort of start realizing like, oh my gosh, this is a new topic that has been discussed in my doctor's visit, or I have not been to the doctor in <laughs> however many years, and I really should because... I have peers or family members with specific illnesses or, or just elements of health that we feel insecure about knowing what the right things to do in order to prevent or manage these things. And so this is sort of like our – um what's that? Uh, true and tried?
1: Mm-hmm. Is that a
0: thing? Tried and true, yeah. True, mm-hmm. Tried and true. Mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> Dyslexia. I hate you. The concepts that keep coming up that are important to the people that we serve, that are important for um, your overall health, that sort of come up all the time, and uh, yeah,
1: we're very excited about it, as you can tell. But um, anyway, check it I out. I was going to say, can can you tell we are excited and passionate? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to stop talking Pretty about it. Pretty passionate about but- it. Yes. yes. Um, well, in the interest of time, let's move on. And we always like to share what Kat and I are drinking as we are recording our podcast episode for you. So, Kat, what do you have in your cup today?
0: I have um, a white wine. It's, um, it's a little chilly, but it's a, it's a really nice wine. It's called Estampa. Um, I might have shared this wine already here. I'm losing track. We need a better system yeah. for this. Um, but it's a Chardonnay. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a Sauvignon Blanc with Chardonnay in it mm-hmm. as well. But it's like mostly Sauvignon Blanc and just like a hint of Chardonnay. And so it's just like perfectly dry, but also slightly sweet. So it's like green apple, melon mm-hmm. kind of tones.
1: Interesting. Yeah, That well, sounds really good. good. Mm -hmm. I have a King, I have a rosé today. It's King Rabbit 2020 from France. I picked it mainly because of the label. Honestly, it has my favorite color turquoise on it and it has this cute little rabbit. Um, but it's, it's really good. You know, lots of fruity notes. Uh, I love a rosé when it starts to get warmer out. So excited to be drinking this today. Um, that's awesome. Let's go through what we have for the, the people.
0: For the peeps. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, friends, we're going to dive into um, eating more environmentally friendly, and I think this is a topic that at least our generation is acutely aware of, Um do you, would you, would you say that's true? Would, do you feel that that's accurate? Mm-hmm, for sure,
1: more, maybe more yeah. so in the past, but it's also something that has escalated in you know recent sure. decades. Sure. And I think that um,
0: there's a lot of guilt. I find that some of my clients sort of bring to the table when it comes to this. They're like, "Oh, this is so bad. You know that I'm doing this," or. I, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. And you know what? We're There's a lot of questions out there. I think uh, some practices might be slightly better than others. I ugh, Sometimes I'm, I feel like I don't even know. But we do want to bring some practical tips that we do know that are helpful, um, a little bit more environmentally friendly. And I think um, as long as this is a sustainable practice, just like when it comes to health it is a step forward in the right direction. So instead of engaging in black and white thinking of thinking that it has to be all or absolutely nothing, uh, there might be a few steps you can take that can help our environment and maybe ease a little bit of that insecure. Um, like, am I doing the right thing or am I not doing the right thing? Which I find that, uh, that's a dialogue I play
1: inside my head often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good parallel, trying not to think in black or white, because when we do that, we tend to just feel a little paralyzed, you know, and don't end up taking any steps forward. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So let's talk about greenhouse gas let's. emissions. How fun <laughs> is this? <laughs> I, this is a topic I bring to parties all the time. <laughs> Uh, So food production, we all know, is a significant contributor to climate change, especially depending on the kind of practices that uh, farmers or agricultures are engaging in. Um, We know this. Some foods generate more greenhouse gas emissions than others. And if we were to compare, let's say, uh, animal-based or animal food products versus plant-based food products, there is a difference there. And I think being aware of that is important. Um, that's one that you can be aware of, not just for the environment, but also for our health. Kelly and I push a lot for making veggies the base of your plate. And that's not something that we say unfounded. It's actually, there's a lot of research to back that, um, recommendation up. Um, but, if we look at, based on the World Source Institute, if you look at food from animals, um, they make up two thirds of all agricultural greenhouse gas emissions, and they use more than three quarters of agricultural land. Plant based foods generally have a much lower environmental impact, and that is important to keep in mind when you're making choices that feel a little less environmentally harmful.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's always good to kind of get the lay of the land, right? Understand that there's certainly sure. a difference in in terms of animal products, animal meat, and plant foods. Um, so as we move kind of farther into this episode, we're going to go through one caveat, and then Kat and I are going to walk through some specific changes that, that you can, you know, I- enact in your life, but I do want to give one caveat. So I think something that we often find when we're talking about climate change is that we hear, you know, reduce your carbon footprint and, you know, do X, Y, or Z. And sometimes there's a lot of pressure on the individual to make the changes. And Kat, have you seen, you know, Jon Stewart, have you seen his new show, The Problem with Jon Stewart? I have not. Um,
0: I, I think I listened to, because he, doesn't he have a podcast as I well? I believe so, yeah. It's not as good as ours, obviously, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Different in the rankings. <laughs> yeah. We, like, ours, I, I would say ours is just a little bit higher quality <laughs> than his, but um, I think I listened to one episode of his podcast, but I actually haven't seen his show.
1: Is it good? I have really enjoyed it. Yeah. He, you know, always talks about hot topic issues. He typically has a Mm -hmm. panel on of several people who are, you know, very distinguished, like know their shit. Um, But anyways, all this is to say he did a recent episode on climate change and it was fascinating. And I, I enjoy this topic. Like I love learning about it and hearing different people speak about it. So if you're not as into it, maybe this won't be interesting to you, but one topic that he brought up that I thought is pertinent to our episode today is that he's talking about this dichotomy in you know climate change approaches really being targeted at the individual level versus you know larger entities, mainly fossil fuel companies. so he talked about well him him and his panel talked about how a lot of the marketing campaigns that are targeted towards individuals making changes are actually like paid for and launched and ran by fossil fuel companies. So I did some, you know, research on my own and I found that that simply the term carbon footprint seemed to have came from a 2004 campaign, PR campaign by BP, British Petroleum, the fossil fuel company. And so, you know, there's, That's kind of dicey, right? If they're pushing all these individual changes, you know, potentially to shift attention away from the fossil fuel companies so they can do what they want. And we all just feel like collectively, you have to ride your bike to work. You, you know, can never eat red meat. Like you have to do all these things to save our planet.
0: Yeah. Like individually feeling miserable for anything or everything that you do every day. Right.
1: Yeah. Like feeling the guilt and and the blame. Yeah. So from, you know, my perspective, obviously both of these avenues are important. Like fossil fuel companies need to do their part and like get their shit together. But also we as individuals, you know, especially collectively, we can make a big Mm -hmm. difference.
0: Yeah. Money talks, right? Money talks. And so at a larger scale, these companies, should be held responsible for the way that they choose to do their business. And that is imperative. I mean, and and I think we all we all know that. Right. But also, you know, the the reason why we have a shit ton of gluten free products on the market is because there was a concern about gluten not being healthy. And whether you believe it or don't, whether you've done your own research on it and you feel whatever way, we currently have in in every grocery store a ton more products available that are gluten-free, which I think the celiac um, community has uh, a lot to thank the public for that um, because they have more options. But I'm using that as an example of people sort of voting with their money mm-hmm. and requesting various options with their, with their money and the the way that they choose to purchase things. And so I think collectively, like individually, us, uh, we can choose something and make a big impact, but also not just bear the weight of
1: the crimes that all these companies have actually committed. Yeah, totally. I mean, as individuals, we can vote with our money, as you said, like your wallet, what your purchasing. And you can also vote, right? Like do research on what the candidates are representing and what kind of environmental policies that they're advocating for. That's another important piece. But in terms of food, you know, we, sometimes it can be easy to get discouraged. Like I'm just one person, like, does it really matter what I do? But you know, if we all felt like that, then we'd be really worse off, right? We all have to (laughs) to do our part and, you know, take steps that are feasible in, in your life. And if we all do that, you know, together, we're going to be stronger and farther along as a society. Totally. I think too, um,
0: I, I, and I am, I do this, I do this often where kind of going back to the black and white thinking, I know there's a lot of people that have chosen to live their lives drastically different because of environmental reasons. And Mm -hmm. I applaud those people's efforts and conviction because it's, it's huge. Um, It doesn't, that's not required out of, out of all of us to feel that that's the only thing we can do. Right. So especially when it comes to dietary patterns, people choosing to be vegan, and, and they choose that for whatever reason, that's that's fantastic. Not everybody can choose to be vegan. Not everybody um, can make that change because of their health or cultural reasons or religious ones. I mean, so, so we have to be more flexible mm-hmm. in our understanding that, as we've always have said, nutrition is super personal, and I'm not going to use this platform to tell everybody that everybody needs to be vegan because – even as a healthcare provider, I know that that kind of message does not work. No. So exercising a little bit of flexibility, you don't have to be vegan, but you could choose to do a meatless Monday, mm-hmm. you know, like a small thing, but actually it has an impact. Maybe those days, a bunch of us don't eat meat. We're not purchasing meat that day and eventually the market changes. And now we have, you know, less meat options available that day. Um, in grocery stores or whatever. And and it's a positive change for the way that we choose to eat in our homes. So anyway, uh, I think I already I dove into number one. (laughs) Should I just
1: keep going? Yeah. Watch me go. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about number one a little bit more. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about what we can do here.
0: Um, we put reducing animal meat as number one. Uh, I personally know a lot of vegetarians, pescatarian, flexitarians, whatever you want to call it. Reducing our animal meat is likely not just an environmentally uh, reasonable thing that all of us could easily do, but it's also if we consider our health status, if, if we're eating a lot of animal uh, protein, reducing
1: it, especially red meat, is, is not a bad idea yeah and and it helps open you up to other options right if you're if animal meat is your default, that's your go to then over time that that can be kind of limiting in terms of meal options you know and what kind of recipes you're gravitating towards absolutely
0: I think of the uh of the meat and potatoes
1: kind of person mm-hmm. they say
0: I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. Um, That essentially boils down your plate to a slightly larger portion of meat, usually red. It doesn't have to be, but sometimes it can be your potatoes and then maybe a vegetable as a side. And when I think about that sort of setup, it's like, where do legumes even come into play here? And we know that legumes, eating legumes frequently three to five times a week it can be a part of a nutrient-dense diet. If we eliminate that setup, it, like you said, it opens
1: you up to having a lot more variety and hopefully a lot more fun. Exactly. Which is a good transition to our second tip. So trying, like being open, you know, having a Beginner's mindset, just kind of being flexible to trying different vegetarian options that you might enjoy, or maybe it's not even vegetarian. Maybe it's also, if you, you or your family really doesn't buy seafood or or fish a lot, you know, maybe once a week or once a month, even you try something like that. Just simply being more open to trying different meals. Maybe they don't have meat. Maybe they have legumes, maybe it's seafood, Maybe you're used to having chicken and, you know, you want to try, I don't know, turkey that day or something, but being more flexible will help you find additional meals that work for you and your family or you, whoever you live with, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I, we have a new recipe that
0: we do, um, and we absolutely love it. Um, and and if this sounds sacrilegious to anybody who's listening, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I get that. There are some items that I feel like to me you can't really sub things out, but we found a recipe for a vegetarian shepherd's pie and it's spicy and it has lentils as a base and it is cheesy and creamy and delicious. We cannot get enough of it. Speaking of of this uh, shepherd's pie makes me think I really need to get lentils so we can do this because it's like the perfect day for it. But that's beside the point. I'm getting distracted. Mm-hmm. It's a really good recipe. Um, I believe we found it in – she's a blogger. She's a minimalist baker. Oh, I yeah. believe that's – have you heard of <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah,
1: well, that's a big website for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure – That's where this recipe came from. But anyway, it's really good. And it's a good way to sort of shift the way we think about dishes that traditionally have are maybe a little bit more heavy on the animal protein. Mm -hmm. If it it doesn't feel sacrilegious, if it feels sacrilegious, don't do it. You know, obviously. Respect, right? Respect the dish. But if there is room for flexibility and you would like to incorporate something that is plant-based... It's a really fun way to try new recipes and, as we said earlier, expand a little bit the way you approach your meals or your food or uh, the way your plate looks, which
1: is wonderful. Mm -hmm. I made a sloppy joe recipe. This is a while back, maybe six months ago, but it used lentils instead of meat and it was so good. Like was we it? loved it and I'm not like a big sloppy Joe person. So again, it's not sacrilegious for me personally to like make that right. swap because I right. don't feel strongly about sloppy Joes, but it was so good. And I think it just goes to show that you can be surprised, you know, by food and certain recipes, but you have to, you have to take the first step, you know, and, and being open to, to simply trying it and seeing if it's something that would work for you.
0: Yeah. And you know i am going to i gonna do a little um i don't know what I'm, what this is technically but if somebody's trying to do something more sustainable and they're doing something that to you feels like a big no-no i'm going to use the example of like a veggie bacon i've heard this a lot where somebody be like use the peel of a carrot and season it up and it's just like bacon okay so some people that's never going to be bacon. And like, that seems like a, like a silly thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I just want to say, if people are trying to make something that's usually animal based, whether this is an effort to eat healthier or because they're thinking about the environment or because they're just trying something new, you know, don't hate on it. Just let it go. You know, maybe that's their bacon and they're happy with that bacon mm-hmm. and that's not your bacon and that's okay, but you, there's no need to be, there's a lot of people hating on like vegans trying, you know, different ways of making something plant-based. We, we don't need to, we don't need to shit on it. Right. We could just let it go. Yeah, I mean, I think that's different okay. Different
1: things work for different people and, and that's okay. And that's exactly. so much of nutrition as, as you started saying in the the beginning of this episode, nutrition is, is really personal. And so We're all just doing our best, right? Trying to find out what works for you. Exactly.
0: We all just are trying really (laughs) hard, okay? (laughs) Um, I think the third point that we put on here is eating seasonably. Um, That kind of, it's a bit, it's more simple than the other two, but picking things that are more available, in the time uh, or season that where you're at um, versus trying to eat something that would take a lot more effort to bring to the area where you live in it, it makes sense to try to eat more seasonally it's also cheaper to eat more seasonally because these things are more widely available and they want you to purchase them so shifting a little bit to, I, I know sometimes your heart can be set on a recipe that requires a few ingredients that are not seasonably. And we do have the privilege of choosing to buy those things if we wanted to, but maybe planning around the time and the season where you're at can help you not just save money, but be a little bit more environmentally friendly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like i have a good idea of what's in season, you know, for the most part, but I often just go to the store and whatever's on sale that will guide my purchases Mm -hmm. because as you said, there's more available because it's in season. So that's always a good bet. Um, but at the same time, I have clients who, you know, enjoy planning things out. And so going to the store and just like tossing your hands up and be like, okay, that's on sale. I'll get that. You know, that, that doesn't work for them. So I have one client I've worked with in the past who would look up the grocery store like, you know, well, maybe a long time ago, the grocery, maybe they still do it. I don't know. (laughs) Grocery stores would send out like a flyer, like a little coupon. Oh, yeah. They're in the entrance. Yeah, yeah, that. But this client, you know, because it's 2022, she would look it up online. And so here... Like, in Chicago, one of our big grocery store chains is called Jewel, and so she would go onto the Jewel website and see, like, the weekly flyer, coupon book, whatever you want to call it, and then she would use that to plan her meals so that she didn't have to wait, you know, until she showed up at the store because she wanted to really plan, like, recipes around it. So I thought that's a good example, right, of adapting, you know, figuring, finding out what resources you have to make those decisions and make it work for you, you know, your lifestyle a little bit better. Smarty I pants, know, right?
0: What a good idea. Yeah. Um you just said Jewel Osco. I remember the first time I was doing my internship as a dietitian in Chicago and coming from uh North Carolina where the grocery stores were different than the ones in Chicago. We had it on our plan or in our schedule that we were going to go to do a tour of Jewel Osco. and I had no idea what that was. <laughs> but everyone was like, Oh, we're excited to go to Jewel Lasco. And um, since everyone seemed to know what it was, I didn't want to ask because I didn't want anyone to think I was dumb, and so um, I I literally, I just showed up to the grocery store, and I was like, "Oh, we're
1: doing a grocery <laughs> store." <laughs> That's really funny. I guess the um, name inherently yeah. doesn't give anything away, you know, Jewel. Who, Who knows so, what Jewel Oscar don't even could know what be? That means. Could it be
0: anything? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That's no funny. idea. Tip number four we wanted to share with you is maybe using reusable bags, glass containers. These can be ways to reduce your your plastic intake, which we know. Much of it ends up in the oceans very tragically. So if you can use reusable bags instead of, you know, using the the grocery plastic store bags, for example, that can just help reduce plastic use a little bit. And like our point before, you know, you're kind of voting with your action, right? Your decision to use reusable bags sends a message, especially when we all do that together. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Can you tell our friends what you got me for my birthday last year?
1: I I think it was just, maybe there's more that I'm forgetting, oh, but I know stasher bags was one, was that what you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh stasher yeah. bags are like reusable Ziplocs and you can do so much with them. You can freeze them. Oh my gosh. You can sous vide so in them. So much. Obviously you can just store Crazy. stuff in them. I love those things.
0: Love them. They're my favorite item. I actually will choose, like, I'm very particular what kinds of food go in mm-hmm. there. Like, it can't be something I don't feel strongly about. It has to be something I care about <laughs> that goes into these bags. It's the best placement. <laughs> it's, these bags are special. Mm-hmm. They deserve special food in them. Uh Okay, so number five is eating leftovers. I think this is... A, a great method to not only just reduce waste, food waste, but also if you're having a crazy week, it's so nice to have leftovers. And so when you're preparing a meal thinking of, oh, I get to eat this later. And I know some people feel very strongly about eating to like the same thing two days in a row. And they're like, I don't like that. You know, it's not within my preference. I don't comprehend that because I'm like, this is the easiest meal. Mm -hmm. I will choose the easiest possible option available to me. But there are people that don't like that. And that's okay. Just uh, if if you can freeze some of the leftovers and choose to eat it in a different time of the day or weeks or months, and that's totally fine. But trying to eliminate the food waste that sometimes can easily slip our minds and think, Oh, I just left that in the refrigerator. I know I'm not going to eat that later, but you know, I'm just going to put it here. And then
1: I forget the train of thought that I was just saying. Yeah. Using, you know, freezing is a good option. I also think about like, if you have leftovers and like you were saying, you maybe don't like eating the same thing, you know, day after day, you can take components of it and change it up. Right. So Mm-hmm. For example, I know we're dietitians, but I love fried chicken. And there's this place in Chicago. Have yeah. you had a honey butter chicken? Have you ever had that? No. Oh my God. God, it's so good. They have the best mac and cheese, the best fried chicken. You know, not something we get like on the reg, but it's so good. It's such an indulgence. And mm. so yeah. I also have no problem eating the same thing. You know, if it's good, like why would I not want to eat it again? Right, but, right. Like taking the fried chicken—say you just had it with the mac and cheese, salad, greens, whatever it is—you had that for one meal, and then the next meal, you know, change it up. Like find a different sauce, or cut it up, put it over salad. You know, there's there's other options to make it feel like a different meal, so that it's not going to waste and and you still enjoy it. Absolutely. Leftovers rock.
0: I think I love leftovers. Me too.
1: (laughs) Our final tip we wanted to share with you is if it's accessible to you, consider planting, you know, your own herbs or your own vegetables. Um, I live in a very small place currently, but we have a really nice outdoor space. And so every spring I will plant like basil and, you know, parsley, cilantro, whatever herbs I can get. And I just love that because then I have them available and I don't have to buy a whole batch at the store and then, you know, sometimes it gets moldy like soggy if I don't use it in time. So that's a really good way to just be able to take exactly what you need, like that certain amount and then you're kind of reducing waste in that manner. Totally. I
0: I I also don't have a lot of space in my apartment. I feel very hot and cold about planting my own things because either I hyper obsess over it to make sure that it's a successful, you know, that the, the veggies grow and that it's like good and that I'm like not a bad plant mom, or I plant them and then I forget. Them. <laughs> And it's a bad situation. <laughs> zero so or hundred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we were talking before, black mm-hmm. or white. Um, it's definitely a zero or hundred situation. So if if you have the space, if you have the luxury of having the time for it, um, also if this feels like something nice, some people love it, and it's a very calming sort of uh, almost meditative thing that they can do when it comes to planting their own veggies. Some people like me, depending on the time, it can be really stressful. So if this feels fun and like a, a wonderful thing to do, this is also a very environmentally friendly practice. So anyway, all that to say, we just want to encourage people to take the steps that they feel that they can take right now to be a little bit more environmentally friendly. It doesn't take a whole lot to change a few things, but I think perspective is a big thing. And I know a lot of people our age kind of live with a lot of guilt about our choices of whether it's the right or wrong one. And when it comes to this, at least this few tips can be really helpful for our environment. Definitely. So that was the episode, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. We feel so honored that you are spending your time listening to this podcast. I know there's a lot of you from kind of all over the States and then also outside the States listening to this podcast. And it just warms my heart to see people from all over tuning in. Again, I want to do a little plug. We do have that group program. So if that's something you are interested in, please head over to our website. It'll be... Um, we're on social media. So if you Google new driving, you'll find us. Um, there is a video of my face available somewhere.
1: The on best all of our
0: platforms. It's, um, I'm not one to promote, uh, using my face a lot. And so it was a big step. You guys like, a, like a big one. So anyway, it's there where I'll tell you how you can register to it. And, and yeah, we will see you guys next week. See you later. Bye.